You are now listening to NYY Sports Talk, a New York Yankees podcast. Find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Podable. Or you can head to nyysportstalk.com slash podcast and subscribe right from the website. For live in-game Yankee updates, news, and fan giveaways, follow on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. Now, let's talk Yankees baseball with Christian and Chris. Welcome back. This is episode 35 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast presented by the Armchair All-Americans. I'm Christian. Follow me on Twitter at Christian underscore NYYST. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Chris. What up? And it's that guy, Rye. What's going on? What's up, guys? How are you? All right. Frustrated. You're frustrated? Frustrated. Angry. It's, uh... We're sitting here recording Sunday afternoon, so we got you ruined my son's first birthday party. It, it did that among other things, which we won't get into right now. <laughs> Full scale brawls out in front of a church, but <laughs> not from us, from strangers. Um, as we're sitting there trying to celebrate Chris's first birthday, we get the uh, my new... first birthday. I, <laughs> Sometimes you remind me of a, of a one year old, but. As we are trying to uh, celebrate Chris's first birthday party. Jesus, I'll get, I'll get this out. <laughs> it's, it was my first birthday party. We'll just... As we try to celebrate Chris's son's first birthday party there. We got it. Uh, we get the news that um, Greg Bird had to uh, go get some testing done. He's experiencing a little discomfort in his uh, foot that he had surgically repaired. I'm going to ask you... This is the first question I'm going to ask you on this. Would it concern you more if it were another injury, or does it concern you more that it's the recurring injury that he's had over the last year? I'm not – I don't know how to answer that because think about it. And when the news broke yesterday, I brought this up to you. He played the whole postseason last year, and now all of a sudden here a week before the season's going to start, he's having an issue with his foot again? Well, listen, I have you ever broken a bone? I've broken body. my fingers. I've never broken in I I don't know if you I broke my ankle in high school. Yeah. And I played for years after that, but there were certain times and certain motions and certain movements my foot would slip on the bag or something like that and I'd re-hurt re-injure my ankle. So, just because he played a significant amount of time in the postseason doesn't mean that that ankle can't get injured again. No, I'm... he could have made a certain move that that made it spark again. I understand that because I've I've thrown out my back before and then you think that you're better and then you make a certain... What are you laughing at? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do this show with you anymore. You're incredibly mean. Ryan, huh. take his chair. You're the new co-host. Good. Great. Uh, and I, so I, I get what you're saying. And you think you're over the injury and then you make a certain maneuver and then it right. brings the injury back. And plus... Um, we should always mention this at the open. I don't know why we do, why we don't. When we have a guest on. I guess that's my job since I open yes. the show. Uh, we have Joe Rivera of the Sporting News on today. Uh, 
Joe and Chris Corelli are racing each other to see who's going to have the most appearances <laughs> on a show. But uh, we brought back Joe today to uh, go around the American League East. And uh, Joe's a good guest because he doesn't just do Yankees. Yeah. He's got a lot of insight on all the teams around Major League Baseball. So we so. broke down the American League East in addition to your Yankee uh, questions. Uh, and uh, Joe brought up in the interview that it could be just scar tissue. And anybody that's had an of surgery, no scar tissue build, so maybe the scar tissue is breaking or whatever, and maybe that's what it is. But it concerns you to the level that he felt it after he played a full nine innings. Do you think Brian Cashman made a statement that he was concerned? Do you think no matter what it is, Cashman at this point is going to make that statement based on Bird's injury history? That's the problem. He has a history. He or do missed... you think it was more of a, we're concerned because it seems serious? Because it doesn't sound like it, it. It sounds like it might be just they're being cautious and he's going to be back on the field. But Cashman comes out and make a, makes a statement like that. And you don't know if it's just because it's Greg Bird with his, with his past. Or are they concerned because this seems like it's going to place him back on the DL. See, the impression I got from Joe is that the Yankees don't think it's going to be that serious, that he might even be ready for opening day. So, I don't know. When when you hear that, what's your immediate reaction when you hear that Bird complained of soreness in his foot and he had to be pulled from the lineup yesterday? My, my honest immediate reaction is probably irrational. But if this is going to place him back on the DL... To me, they need to start looking at at other options. But more so than irrationality, it's frustration. And you don't think that Brian Cashman feels frustrated? But when you think Greg Bird, you think you're... But answer that question, though. Don't you think that Brian Cashman feels frustrated? Yes. But when you think your future here, when you think of your future first baseman for the next however many years, you think Greg Bird. But if this injury is going to place him back on the DL yet again, you need to start thinking otherwise. But for the last month of this friggin' show, what have I harped on more than anything that you have been so adamant against having a quality backup to Greg Bird because of his injury because history? Because I think... And you told me basically in not so many words that it was a bunch of bullshit, be- that I should not feel that way. And what happened yesterday, the exact justification now, of why I should feel now that you're justified. way. Now you are justified. You had to give him another opportunity because he came back and he was really effective last year and he worked really hard to come back. So when you have a player like that, you need to give him the benefit benefit of the doubt. Now you are justified to be concerned. And now I think if this is a serious injury, that's going to keep recurring that the Yankees need to be concerned. All right. Yes. Give him the benefit of doubt. Give him that chance to show that he was healthy, but why not have the backup plan in place because of his history? Because he's still your future. You're not going to go and and get a, a future first baseman when you still have him. Here. We had Aaron Judge and they went out and they traded for John Carl Stanton. You can't not a even give me. But that's not a replacement. No, but you're not taking Stanton to replace Judge. No, but it doesn't matter. The There's Yankees three still... outfield spots and a DH. There's only one first baseman. And the Yankees have like seven outfielders, so it didn't matter to them so to bring now, in John Carl Stanton. So now, yeah, it might be great that Neil Walker can come in and play a little first base, but we need a we need a future replacement if this guy's going to continue to get hurt and be on the DL. Did you guys hear that Miguel Andujar is going to be playing about 20% of his games at first base? Yes, I did season? hear that. Really? Yes. Yeah. That actually came out before Bird got hurt yeah. that the Yankees were going to uh, have him play a little bit at uh, first base down in AAA. 
And now we'll we'll be concerned with his first base play, right? That'll be the next year. And uh, now you're on the subject of that. Glaber Torres is also going to play shortstop this year down in uh, Scranton. Why? I believe the actual reasoning for it was that the Yankees want to stretch his arm out. The, what? That's, I'm not kidding you. That's a quote that I read. That they want him to play shortstop because of the longer throws and it'll stretch his arm out. But his future isn't at shortstop. If you're taking a lot of reps at shortstop and then you, what? How do you know his future is not at shortstop? We We have a future shortstop. We love Didi, but we don't know what the Yankees think of him long term. We really don't. How could you not have future plans for Didi Gregorio? I'm I'm not saying that I don't, but I don't know what the Yankees' plans are for him. I would assume that they would want... To lock him up to a multi-year deal, but he's already arbitration. What did he get? Eight million dollars this year, so he's due a big payday in the next year or two. Maybe the Yankees are saying, you know what? Maybe we got to cut costs somewhere, and maybe shortstop is the place we do it. You don't know that. How important is this one ninety-seven number? And and maybe we could bring on a capologist or whatever the hell they are to explain to us if the Yankees reset this year. Because I heard something that then the tax rate goes down in the next four or five years before they have to reset again. Right. Because Judge, how much money is Aaron Judge going to get paid? How much money is Gary Sanchez going to get paid? When you compare a contract like Harper might get in this next year to what Judge is going to get when he's due, do you think it's comparable? Do you think Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge are going to be on the same level of what they're going to get money-wise? Well, Bryce Harper's going to get paid this offseason, right. correct? And Judge, what, would be another four, four, four years, years? I think. If Judge keeps up the same type of production for those four years, it's going to... But you have to remember something. Judge is going to be 29 in those four years or so. Uh, well, that is an Harper's going to be, what, 24? <laughs> so maybe he takes a high... Maybe he makes $60 million a year for four years or something like Judge that. Judge might never get... The, the payday that he really deserves because, because of the way baseball came up late. Yeah. yeah. So. But you know one guy that's probably not going to make a lot of money? Who? Greg Bird. Because probably how can not. you invest that type of contract in Greg Bird? You can't. And it's a shame because he's a great player. He really Greg is. Greg Bird, when he's healthy, has shown that he can be a capable, more than a capable, an all-star caliber first baseman. And for the Yankees, the lefty power bat is the most valuable thing in the world. And the fact, especially in a lineup with so many right, right-handed, power. right? Because we're so, so much right-handed power. we're so right-handed heavy at this point that if you can mix in guys like Didi who hit 25 home runs and a guy like Bird in a full season from the left side of the plate, it's a big loss if this guy's going to spend some time on the DL again this year. If you knew Greg Bird would play a full season, which we'll say 145 games, you know, figure the rest of them 20-ish games. What would you figure his line would be if you knew he was going to play 145 games this year? I think he hits – I honestly think he hits over 300. I think he has 25 to 30 home runs, maybe more. Uh, and I think he has about 85 to 90 RBIs. I think if Greg Bird hits 273 with 27 home runs and drives in 90 runs, you run to the bank to sign oh, for that. Oh, I didn't say – you asked me what I thought his line. No, but I'm be. saying that's why that's my baseline for Bird: low two seventies, high twenties, and about eighty five to ninety RBIs. But you know, that's what? what I think he would be able to do. Do you know the in beauty of season. Greg Bird? It's not just the power. This guy's a great pure hitter. I forget who said it. I think it might have been A Rod, but he said Greg Bird is the best hitter in this lineup. And you know what? 
from what I've seen, I agree with him. I don't I don't sense that he can be a 300 hitter. Maybe I'm wrong, I but I never got that sense from him. I do. I think that if Gary Sanchez wasn't a catcher, because you know catchers, they wear down towards the end of the right. season. And he he just stops chasing. He's such a chaser, Gary Sanchez. Yeah. He could be a 300 hitter. He could hit 310, 320. He is, Gary Sanchez is that good. I think Gary Sanchez is going to have a monster season this year. I really do. I, I think Gary Sanchez defensively and offensively is going to come into right. His own didn't this Gary year. Sanchez not really peak until like August last year? He was mm. he was kind of like waiting in the water, and then all of a sudden, and then, uh, and then he exploded. And then he still finished with thirty three home runs right? and ninety runs batted in. And you wouldn't even consider him having a good year last year, knowing what you know how good Gary Sanchez could and be. And you know what? Is Gary Sanchez going to lose on some playing time this year? Because if he needs a day off. I don't know if you're going to really DH him that much this year. You can't. I mean, what you are you going to do? So he's going to lose. There's going to be a, there's going to be a crunch in the, on numbers crunch on this team because think about it. Gary Sanchez can't play every day. Catchers can't play every day. Right. So you're gonna you're not going to run Gary Sanchez in the ground. His bat is way too valuable. He's he's not he's not um a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's not a defensive specialist that you're only out having him out there to call games. Gary right. Sanchez, Gary Sanchez, he he can be great defensively, but his main his main importance to this team is that he is a beast at at the plate. Right. So and, and you know what? He's his arm is one of the best in baseball. So you're not going to wear Gary Sanchez out. No, you can't. Did you see that Sanchez? He's going to be wearing a wristband as sort of a measure to. Uh, communicate with pitchers. Is he going to write tallies like one, sure two, three? Can't to, are they going to start doing sign numbers. language at the plate since he can't? Uh, yeah, is it, it's a great idea though. Since he can't, but would that count as a mound visit? Like if you learned sign language and Gary no. was like signing like like pickoff throw? I don't know. It's a judgment call. Is apparently. that? <laughs> uh, excuse me. That's a mound visit. <laughs> What was I saying about Gary? Oh, um, he's a he's an offensive guy. You're not going to want to wear him down. Yeah. So. Think about it. On a day where Boone might be like, oh, I really got Gary. I I really can't catch Gary six days in a row. I need him. I need him. It's like a hundred degrees outside. I need him to take a break. But I really need his bat in a lineup. He kills this pitcher. But then now you're looking at it like, all right, I'm facing a righty. So what do I do here? Is Brett Gardner going on the bench? Because then I can play Stanton, Judge, and right. Hicks in the outfield. Or is this the time to sit one of those guys, stand or judge? But then why are you going to sit, stand or judge? I mean, no one, no one really talks about it. But Boone really has his hands full when it comes to Sanchez because when you're when you're giving him a, a rest behind the plate, you really have to weigh your options on who's more valuable in this lineup. Is it going to be Sanchez as DH or is it going to be you know Judge taking a rest and Stanton going out there, or you need Stanton as a DH or so on and so forth? So. That's going to be pretty tough for for Boone, especially in his first year as a manager. And we're going to go into this lineup because something happened Friday that really ups- – I wouldn't say it upset me. I didn't cry about it, but I wasn't happy with it. And I really hope that it's not something that is a regular thing or even a, a thing in the future. But we'll get to that after the interview with All Joe right. Rivera. Uh, last thing I want to say about Bird, who – do you think the Yankees reverse course and made because they said they weren't going to do it, but now with this injury history, you think this injury reoccurring that maybe they throw John Carlos Stanton a first baseman's glove? 
You called me crazy when I said that a couple weeks ago. Because the Yankees immediately shot down the idea, and I didn't think that there would be any reason to. I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. I, I I don't know where you go, and I think I think we'll have a better understanding, or maybe we can talk a little more in depth of this when we know the severity of this injury. Um, but, you know, if by next week, after opening day, and Bird ends up on the DL, and we, you know, we have something to discuss here. What are the Yankees going to do? If this is just a little bit of discomfort because the scar tissue broke and they give him a couple of days and maybe he misses the first series, but then he's there for the home opener, no big deal. Right. But it's Greg Bird. That's what the right. problem is. He missed all of 2016 mm-hmm. with the shoulder. Then he missed all basically all last year with the foot. And now you hear this. It's just there's certain things that are not good looks for certain guys and Greg Bird complaining of another injury is not I don't care if it was a hangnail and you knew he was just going to miss a game it's just not a good look for Greg right. Bird to be talking about he's missing the last guy any type of yep any he's type la- of time he's the last guy you want to hear that is injured right now yes yeah, so there's another guy you don't want to hear about his injuries either but we'll also get to that later yeah. in the show mm-hmm. all right but what we're going to get to right now is their interview with Joe Rivera of the Sporting News please follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN Joe is a great follow, not just for the Yankees, but his overall take on Major League Baseball. And he really is an entertaining guy, which we'll actually get to later on in the interview. So let's uh, hit up Joe Rivera's interview right now. All right, Chris and Christian of NYY Sports Talk on with Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. Joe, how you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. How you doing? All right. Well, uh, we're a little bit better than Greg Bird's foot is doing, I guess. Uh <laughs> Kind of a little bit of breaking news that came out yesterday. It looks like uh, the injury has been re-aggravated from where he had the surgery last year. Uh, so what's the latest uh, uh, on Bird's foot? Well, a lot of speculation at this point. I mean, Cashman, Yankees GM Brian Cashman doesn't seem too optimistic. He said he was worried about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough to say because... This is a guy that he's either been good or he's been hurt. Like there, there's been no in between. There's never been a part where he's been outwardly bad. Um, he had obviously the, the foot and ankle issues last year. So they're sending him to get an MRI and a CT scan, see what's up with it. There's some people that say that it might be just a, uh, a little bit of aggravation, scar tissue issue. Uh, just fun to say. Um, scar tissue problems from, from the surgery last year. So. Uh, the Yankees are holding their breath, and they don't have really a clear option to back up Bird, so they better hope he's healthy. Uh, better hope he can stay healthy throughout the season, too. Uh, your gut feeling, you think this might be something minor? You think we could see him on opening day? I mean, you know, I, I, it's, it's a philosophical thing. Right? I don't really think there's a reason to panic until there's a reason to panic. And until they know for sure what it is, if I had to guess, I would say it's nothing. Maybe it's just, you know, back to baseball activity. Who knows? It is concerning that he's he's the type of guy that get, keeps getting caught up in these injury issues, right? Um, whether it was a shoulder a few years ago with the ankle last year, it's, it's recurring at this point. And he came in, obviously, into camp, motivated. He came in in great shape. So uh, until, like I said, until there's a reason to panic, there's no real reason to panic. But I have to guess it's probably no big deal. 
Well, let's say, uh, you know, let's play uh, devil's advocate here. What if he's down a week, 10 days, maybe a month? What are the Yankees' options? Do they, I mean, Adam Lynn, I don't think he signed with anybody. Do they make a call there? Do they see what they can get out of Walker or Tyler Austin? What do you think they would do if they missed him for any extended period of time? I think Adam Adam Lynn's name got to be on speed dial. Um, Obviously, who would have thought that this would happen now? Um, Tyler Austin, I think, is going to get a fair shake too. He hasn't been awful, outwardly awful this spring, and you feel that with more with more at bats, with more consistent play at the major league level, then uh, maybe he'll, he'll swing a he'll swing a good bat. But uh, they'll figure something out, right? That's what they do. They always do. Um, if I had to guess, gun to my head now, like I'd say they probably could have put a call back from Adam for Adam Lynn. I'm sure that he would welcome a call back. Uh, Depends, but it all depends what comes out of the bird situation, right? You don't want to speculate how long he's going to be out for, or what the issue is. So, uh, but if I had to guess, it'll probably be Lynn. Um, that's been a lot of the talk so far, and then Tyler Austin will probably get a call too, or not a call, but he'll probably get a look too for his mate. All right, well, Joe, when we scheduled the interview, we uh, wanted to go around the American League. We didn't think we'd be talking about Greg's uh, bird's foot here, but. So we'll we'll jump in here. We want to get a good overview since of the American League East since the season starting on Thursday, which you know we're, this will be released on Monday, so three days away from opening day. Um, the Red Sox are the defending American League East champions, and they had a major hole last year. Even though they won the division, they seem to lack power. I mean, they they definitely missed having a guy like David Ortiz in the middle of that lineup, and they went out and they added J.D. Martinez, who hit 45 home runs last year. How much of an impact is J.D. Martinez going to have on the Boston Red Sox lineup? I think a big one. And, and you know, I, 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 power is a big thing in today's game. Everybody knows it, Walsh and all that nonsense. But when you, when you look at that, was their most glaring offensive weakness last year, right? They had they have guys that put the ball in play. They have good, all, solid all-around hitters, Ben Kennedy, Beth, obviously. Um, all these guys that can put the ball in play. So uh, you have that. I think... Martinez is going to have a big impact, and it's not like the Red Sox ran away with the AL East last year. I think they won it by two games over the Yankees. So it's it's not. I don't think. How do I put this? I don't think that they're vastly improved from where they were. I think the rotation, you know, with health and Chris Sale and all that, uh, Price got to have a bounce back year. All this stuff's got to go right for them. Um, the bullpen is, you know, it's going to be what it is with Formberg coming back likely, and then. Timberland in there too. So, uh, yeah, I think that they're improved. Martinez helps a lot. Anytime you can get a plus slugger in your lineup, it's, it's going to help. So it's going to be interesting to see how he translates. You know, obviously he's been one of the premier sluggers in baseball over the last five years, which some people find that uh, a little bit far-fetched, but the numbers back it up. So, yeah, I think Martinez helps a lot, and they got him at a good price, and it's you're going to fit really flawlessly into that lineup. Do you think that power is still going to be Boston's weakness this year? Do you see uh, a couple other holes that, that could be an issue for this team in, in 2018? I really think that they have a, a good, well-rounded lineup. Um, again, I don't always think that power is the answer for every lineup. Um, you're going to need a guy that can put the ball in the stands. That's just the way it works. So I, I, I like what they have. They have good young hitters. Again, that's and Ben Intendi is going to be better than he was last year. Um, he really came on the second half of the season, too. He had a little bit of slump there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's going to help them a lot, especially in those AL East ballparks where, you know, 
most of them were old on the band boxes. So, uh, and getting to see those teams 15, 16 times a year, it's only going to be uh, fireworks every time they meet up. So, yeah, I think he's going to help. Uh, I don't really see any apparent flaws in their lineup. I think top to bottom, they're all really good, all really good players. Um, you know, they're as talented as, you know, some people scoff at this, but I find them to be as talented as the Yankees. Uh, maybe they don't have like that flashy, you know, young player like the Yankees have in judge, but I really like the Red Sox. So I don't think they're a team to be overlooking these at all. All right, well, moving on from the Red Sox into the other teams in the division, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, I guess they made the most noise in the division outside of the Yankees and Red Sox this uh, offseason. You know, they've been uh, they've been breaking it down. They traded the face of the franchise, and Evan Longoria, other uh, key uh, players like Steven Souza Jr. were moved. Um, is this teardown going to continue? Is a guy like Chris Archer going to get moved at some point? What do you see the future holding for the Tampa Bay Rays? I don't want to say I'm surprised that Archer hasn't been traded yet, but I will say that um, Archer has much more value from a lot of these teams at the trade deadline as opposed to now. And Tampa knows that, and um, I think Archer's probably the next to go, if I had to guess. And and what stinks for Tampa is they lost Brent Honeywell, who was going to be like their next man up um, to Tommy John surgery. So that's a big blow for them. Um, and he was a good, solid young pitcher who's probably going to make his major league debut this year. Uh, and I think for a lot of these teams, they probably put in the phone call for Archer. And Tampa said, no, not right now, at least. And I think for Tampa, what, you know, we've seen this in the past where they want to let go of these guys, but they need the prospects back in the turn. And you're probably going to get a lot more for them at the deadline as opposed to now when teams are going to be willing, you know, if they think they're within striking distance of a second wild card or what have you. So I think that they know Tampa knows that uh, that price is just going to go up for, for Archer then. Um, so I'll be surprised if Archer finishes it out this season with Tampa. Uh, I'm not surprised that he's still there now, but I'll be surprised um, if come October Archer isn't pitching for the playoff team. I have a quick question for you. Um, we all know that the Yankees have the ammo that if they need a pitcher, they can they can pick up the phone and call the Rays and make an offer. Will the Rays be re- uh, reluctant to dish Archer to a division rival? Do you think that could be an issue for the Yankees? Uh, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, I think uh, if I were a GM and I'm looking at a situation where you have a player that could, has the potential to be good for the next 10, 10 or 11 seasons. Uh, the last thing that I would want to see is, is that player go on to be good for a division rival, right? Even if, uh, even if the Rays were to get a good prospects or, you know, major league players back in the deal, I'm not sure that I would do it. Um, prospects are suspect until they prove themselves in major league baseball. Sure. It's just the way it works. Um, so, if you're giving up a known quantity for Archer for hope for the future and youth, and youth is never uh, a sign of, of uh, innovation or youth is never a sign of, of promise or it's never really a sign of, of production in the future, but it's just that. It's just hope. So, yeah, I, I, if I'm the Rays, I wouldn't do it. Um, even though you know, Archer's under control, he's got that contract, all this stuff, but uh, it's not really something that I would I would entertain if I were the Rays. I'm, I'm sure the Yankees would love to do it, but uh, I'm not I'm not sure it's in the cards. A lot of people, most people, would say that this division is going to be top heavy again. The Yankees and the Red Sox. 
will be a top either one or two by the end of the season. But a lot of people we talk to seem to feel that, you know, the Blue Jays are that sleeper pick that could make a little noise, could disrupt some things at the top of the division. Do you agree with that notion? Do you think they have what it takes to maybe ruffle some feathers in the East? You know, I really like, I, I don't say I like the Blue Jays, but I find them to be one of the most interesting teams in the, uh, in the American League, right? Um, I think that their pitching is really good. Their starting pitching is, is probably underrated, and obviously you're hoping for some big seasons from some guys, but I, I like the Blue Jays. I think they could be a team that, that can disrupt, uh, like you said, that can disrupt uh, the flow of things in the American League. And we're not talking about a team that's going to be probably competing for an AL East pennant. I don't, I don't see that. But what I do see is them, you know, being that pesky team, kind of like what the Rays have been for, for a few years now. Right? They might, they might where, take, they might take away a few wins from from the Yankees and the Red Sox this year. That's definitely yeah, something. Yeah, these teams always beat up on each other. It's the AL East. That's what they're known for, right? Even when the, even when teams are really bad. Uh, I mean, you have to go back over a decade now where the Rays have really been just a pushover, a uh, consistent pushover, and. In the AOE. So these teams will always beat up on one, each, on, uh, one another. I like, I do like Toronto and I like this idea that, uh, they're going for one more. Uh, this is like their final, their final run here. They know it. They have pieces that they can trade. The youth is coming with Bichette and, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. So they know that the youth is coming, but I think this is going to be their last ride. And I think that they're a really intriguing team. Um, and should they be out of it? They're probably the, sexiest team the teams are going to want to trade with. They have a lot of pieces that can go, um, whether it's from their bullpen or their rotation, and they can really, really reload in a short, short span. So, yeah, I like I like Toronto. I don't think that they're a slam dunk playoff team, but I think that they're a lot better than people are giving them credit for. All right, Chris and Christian here of NYY Sports Talk. We're talking to Joe Rivera. We're getting a feel for the American League East as we prepare for opening day on Thursday. Uh, one more team on in this division, the Baltimore Orioles. If you look at that lineup, it's pretty scary. Uh, you know, they still got Manny Machado, Adam Jones. You know, uh, Trey Mancini finished third in Rookie of the Year voting. So they got guys that can slug in that lineup. But the big question seems to be uh, their pitching. Even adding a guy like um, Alex Cobb, do you think they have enough pitching to be competitive in the American League East? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's a question that we've been asking ourselves for a few years, right? I mean, at one point, is a guy like Kevin Gossman going to take the next step, or is Dylan Bundy going to take the next step? You had, I'm pretty sure it was three guys in their starting rotation last year that had ERAs over five. And uh, that's just not going to play in the AL East. And even though Cobb is battle-tested in the AL East, they just, as of this point, they don't have that guy where you're like, all right, this is going to be our ace. And that just helps a lot with teams when you have that guy that say, all right, Every fifth day, he's going to take the ball, and he's going to be the guy that shuts us, uh, that sets us off on a winning streak or shuts our losing streak down. You know that that that's the guy that they need, and that's the guy that they don't have. And you're asking a lot. I mean, looking at a rotation with Gosman, Chris Tillman, Dylan Bundy, Wade Miley, and and you know Alex Cobb adding in now, I just don't, I don't see it. Uh, they're still very offensively, they're potent. Um, but unless Manny Machado decides he can uh, he can pitch for them too, I just don't see. I don't, I don't see. I don't see it. All right, Joe. So this is a New York Yankees podcast, so we got to get some Yankee questions in. As uh, you 
you know, we got a nice preview of the rest of the division there. Uh, believe it was Friday, or I don't know, I forget the days Friday. now. Friday, that uh, Aaron Boone actually had Aaron Judge lead off in a spring training game, and that was with Brett Gardner in the lineup. Do you see that actually happening at any point in the regular season? Because Boone uh, made it sound like it would. It's not such a far fetched notion that that could happen. Well, here's the thing, right? Uh, you know that Aaron Judge is a very good baseball player. Um, and by that, he has a lot of power. Uh, yeah, he obviously struck out a lot last year. He's a good base runner. And let's not forget that he can draw walks, right? And at the end of the day, if you have a guy that can, that can draw walks and put one in the seat, I mean, that's, that's a win for everybody. So I don't think it's far-fetched to put a guy like Judge there um, in the leadoff spot. If he can give you a one nothing lead, early in a game, or if he gets on base and, you know, Stan or whoever's hitting behind him can give you a 2 nothing lead, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so so I, I don't see it becoming a regular thing, but it's one of those, it's one of these uh, conversations that teams are having now. It's all, it's all the analytics folks saying, oh, well, you know, you should put your guys, uh, the big power guys up as soon as you can. Uh, the earlier you can in the lineup, the better. And I think when you have an offensive player like Judge who, he can put the ball in the seats and he can work a, a five or six pitch at bat. That's, that's a great thing to have. Um, I'm interested to see whether they do it more consistently. I don't see that necessarily being the case. Um, but as we know, Brett Gardner can always work a count. That's been one of his strengths over his entire career. Um, Judge obviously can work a count too, but Judge has the power that Gardner doesn't. But, uh, I think the Yankees lineup is a lineup that you can pick out of a hat and anything you come up with, you know, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna work. So, well, um, we're big. I, I, I think, I think, I don't think it's going to happen more consistently, but it's going to be interesting to see if that's something that Boone goes really with. We're big on judge Stanton and Sanchez batting in a row in this lineup. We like it. We think it's going to put fear in these pitchers, no matter who's on the mound. Do you think it's important to put a lefty in there to split them up in this lineup, or would you bat Judge Stanton Sanchez all back to back? No, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily uh, much to do because uh, when you look at it, uh, if a guy can hit, a guy can hit, right? I don't think you really need a lefty in there to break them up. If judge is going to put finger in guys' hearts, whether it's whether it's a righty or a lefty. Um, they're going to respect his power. Stanton too, and then Sanchez too, and Sanchez is probably the most uh, well-rounded hitter <laughs> on the team that a lot of people are talking about. So, uh, no, I don't think it's necessarily something that you have to do. Uh, that's kind of like an old-school Joe Torre kind of philosophy, where you know, lefty-righty, um, where you can. But yeah, with with how righty-heavy, uh, well, righty-power-heavy this lineup is anyway, I don't necessarily think you have to do it. Um, I don't really think it makes much of a difference, but again, this is a lineup that, top to bottom, any way you, any way you slice it, they're going to score runs, right? It, it doesn't matter who you hit where. Um, I think everybody's making a, making much too big of a deal about the lineup to begin with, honestly, because these guys are going to score runs. Uh, I'd like to see Boone screw with everybody and put his worst hitter, uh, <laughs> his worst two hitters, one, two, three, and, and then, uh, have, uh, Sanchez, Stan, and Judge uh, seven eight nine. You know, you know, you're gonna you're gonna tell me that these guys still aren't gonna score runs. You know, still so, might have yeah. five I'll tell you game. what. The scary part of that statement is our worst three hitters would probably be the top three hitters on most teams in most lineups right now. So yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, so so I don't really think, again, and I think everybody's, you know, the people that are freaking out about it and are looking at it like, wow, I can't believe that, you know, uh, I can't believe that, you know, they're talking about batting, batting Judge second. Like, listen, the guy batted second last year, and that was without standing behind him, and he had incredible numbers batting second. So, uh, yeah, I think any way you slice it, these guys are going to screw them. It doesn't matter who you stick there, uh, and they're going to be, <laughs> one thing's for sure, they're going to be fun to watch, no matter who hits where. All right, so, you know, taking a look at the Yankees' positional battles, I guess the really only one left is second base. It seems like it's going to be down to Tyler Wade and Neil Walker. Ultimately, when the 2018 season has been completed, who's who do you think will have played the most games at second base, Wade, Walker, or uh, Gleyber Torres? You know, that's, that's a tremendous question. Um, if you were to ask me this question last year when Joe Girardi was the manager, I'd say Neil Walker. Uh, for some reason, I, it just seemed like Girardi had an aversion to playing kids uh, and didn't like kids for whatever reason. Stirred up controversy with Clint Fraser and screen training and all this stuff. But that was last year, right? Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it depends on how well Torres plays the first month of the season. I don't see him coming up immediately um, after that April 13th or whatever the day is. Um, I think that it'll probably be Walker. Uh, and here's why. The team has said, the Yankees have said all along that they view uh, Tyler Wade as their super utility guy, right? Their Ben Zobris type. So if if he's going to be playing all around the field, he's not going to get the most starts at second. Uh, and then when you look at, you know, Walker is a guy that has a lot of power. He's a quality hitter, a uh, good second baseman. I think he's probably going to be your guy that's going to start the most uh, with Torres at some point, maybe sliding into that, sliding into that backup second spot. Uh, they have a few decisions they got to make uh, when that happens and that comes around roster wise. But if I had to guess, it'll probably be woke. For you, Joe, biggest area of concern for the Yankees this year? Rotation. Um, I think you look at their rotation. Uh, Tanaka didn't have a great first half of the season last year, right? Everybody knows it was well documented. The guy had three months where he was terrible, pretty much. Sonny Gray's a guy that's been hurting his career. Severino is going to be, you know, he's your innocent name. So he's going to be, this is going to be his first real season when you're looking at him as into the rotation. Sebastian is getting up there in age. He's had his injury problems in the past, so. Uh, and your fifth spot, whether it's, you know, wherever it is that you put there, it's probably going to be a young thing, right? <coughs> whether it's someone from AAA or Montgomery or, you know, whoever you decide to put there. But, yeah, I think health is, is a big question mark for the rotation. Um, I don't think they're going to regret not making a move for a starter, honestly, because on paper, these guys are all really good. So it's not like they needed another quality on, but. Should someone go down or two of these guys go down, not something you want to see, but should one or two of these guys go down, they're going to have to fill a hole with, uh, you know, one of those young guys from AAA, whether it's Chance Adams, which would probably get the first call, or Justice Sheffield. And these guys are improving them when you're in, improving them when you're in a tight race like the AL East, you can't really afford to take, um, to take risks or <laughs> take chances with, uh, with some of these guys. Cause at the end of the day, the Yankees could, Yankees could win 95, 96 games and finish in second place and then, you know, be eliminated in a one, you know, in a wild card playoff playing game. So, uh, that's not something they want and that's not a risk that they want to take. But the rotation worries you. Uh, I wouldn't say worries, but the rotation is certainly 
I think what you're looking at is probably the weakest part of the team. Well, just, just for health reasons. We broke down every team here at the end of the season, at the end of the regular season. Who do you think sits atop the AL East? I think when you look at it, I think the Yankees are probably the most well-rounded team. I actually have them going to the World Series this year. Uh, I just think they're good, man. They're good. They're energetic. Way to play to our uh, audience, Joe. <laughs> hey, listen, I, uh, I need to follow us on Twitter. But, uh, no, but, but really, I, I think I have them going to the World Series this year. Um, I just think they're too good, man. I, I saw them last year. They played with Swagger. They, they just had fun. They had fun, and I think that's just going to keep that's going to keep going on this year. I don't see it. I don't see them uh, really taking a step back. I think that they're all hungry for. I think a guy like Sebastian is key for this team because he's a leader, man, and uh, he leads that clubhouse. Whether it's the starters or just being the positional guys, he's a leader. And he's hungry for another ring, and I think that's something that's just that rubs off on everybody else. And uh, I think Boston's good too. Uh, they're going to be they're going to be slugging it out all year. Uh, but I, I just I think the Yankees are just too good. Um, they're too well rounded and they're, they're just they're too strong for the fittest division. Hey Joe, before we let you go, I want to have a little fun here. I uh, created a little controversy and for you. <laughs> oh, for you also. <laughs> you created a little controversy on Twitter this week uh, when you said the Sandlot was incredibly overrated. Oh, Sandlot! <laughs> I like this question. <laughs> I agree with Joe. So, till I'm blue in the face, Sandlot is the most overrated movie of all time. In my opinion. Well, all right. <clears throat> Let's break this down, all right? <laughs> so so when I when I said the Sandlot is the most overrated movie, the, the key is in, in the wording that I use. It's overrated, right? It's it's it, the way that people talk about this movie, it's like the greatest baseball movie ever made. Right. I had a good childhood, right? Like I, I was in locked in closets for my parents, right. but <laughs> My, my my dad didn't make me work this the salt mines or you know like, <laughs> and and I I saw this movie when I was young and, you know I appreciated it then but at some point the nostalgia of it it just got to go away right but with the way the people you know all the recreations that we're doing we saw what the Brewers did you know the Yankees did last year year before that you know it, it's just it's over the top now it's ridiculous I've never seen anything like it it's like it's Perfect. like you're stabbing you're stabbing a puppy when you say that this movie's <laughs> right. overrated it's hey, people freak out. Uh, it's it's crazy. It really is. Um, I don't think it's out and out horrible. Uh, again, because you now looking at you know, there's a different audience for everybody, right? I mean, uh, I watched The Sandlot when I was twelve or you know seven years old, but I also watched RoboCop. So uh, <laughs> that's just me. But uh, you know, it's it's just the way it's the audience. I, I don't think it's out and out bad because of what it is as a movie, but I certainly think it's gotten to this point now where. People are looking at it like, wow, this movie is, is Citizen Kane. It's, it's just not. It's, not you know, it's just not. Let's be honest with ourselves. No, I agree, Joe. Uh, as a fan of the movie, I don't think it, and now that I'm 30, oh, gonna, Jesus, I'm going to be 35 years old. <laughs> It's it doesn't hold up as well over time, so I do agree with you on on that point. Uh, but before last thing we want to ask you before you go, since you do also uh, cover WWE for uh, the Sporting News, major major story this week, and I think this actually transcends pro wrestling. That Daniel Bryan, after what has it been four three four years, has been finally cleared to return to the ring after his concussion uh, history. Get, just get your thoughts on Daniel Bryan returning to the WWE ring. Uh, you know, it's a multifaceted conversation, right? Um, 
first, as fans, we have to stop pretending like WWE used Daniel Bryan correctly the last time he was in the, in the main event spot, right? Obviously, he had his push and he won at, at WrestleMania, but looking back before that, Daniel Bryan was never in their plans, never in their plans to be in, to be in that spot at, at WrestleMania. Uh, when Batista came back at the Royal Rumble and he won the Royal Rumble, it wasn't Daniel Bryan, he came back as a face. Um, it was supposed to be Batista as a face versus Randy Orton as a heel for the championships in WrestleMania. And the fact that Daniel Bryan forced himself into that conversation with how over he was, um, it didn't give them any other choice. Fans were going to riot. Uh, so it's not like Daniel Bryan has always been this this guy that the WWE really wanted to be the guy in the face of the company. Um, the fans obviously wanted him. Uh, he was always obviously talented enough to be in that spot, but this idea that they always use them correctly, um, it's just, it's, it's not, it's, it's a misnomer. It's, it's untrue. It's simply untrue. That being said, I think that they view that now and they realize just how much money they have because, listen, that's what it's not about making money, right? Uh, Daniel Bryan's the guy that always made the company money. Um, so I think that they realize now that, you know, okay, well, we have him back. He's not going to go wrestle in New Japan, which was a hot rumor after his contract was up. He's not going to go wrestle in Auto Reach. He's probably going to get a push now that uh, he's gonna, we're going to see a lot of matches that fans wanted to see Brian versus Nakamura, Brian versus Styles, uh, Brian versus Reigns on Raw, uh, which is going to be, huh. when that happens, you know, good luck ever getting Roman Reigns. Talk about a riot happening, Joe. Yeah. Um, like I said, good luck ever, ever trying to get Roman Reigns over as a face again um, if he ever faces Daniel Bryan, so. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see what they're going to do. Um, I hope that they use him correctly. He's, he's a special talent. And it goes back to my time when I was younger. And I was at the Ring of Honor fourth anniversary show uh, in New Jersey. And I was there. It was my first industry uh, that I've ever been to. And again, the Brian main event against Jimmy Lee for the ROH Championship. And you can just tell. And then, and I was 13, 14 years old at the time, I want to say. Um, he was just special. He just had that, that aura about him, the way that he interacted with the fans, just the way that he carried himself in that. So I hope they realize that. I hope that they realize that there's a lot more than just uh, sports entertainment. You know, it's professional wrestling at the end of the day, um, not just sports entertainment. And I hope that they give him uh, all the credit, all the, all the spotlight that he deserves. All right, Joe, uh, <clears throat> we want to thank you for coming on here, spending a good half hour of your Sunday afternoon with us here to talk uh, about the American League East and some other uh, varying topics. Uh, so that's uh, Joe Rivera. Please follow him on Twitter, at Joe Rivera SN. Joe, as always, thank you very much for coming on and spending some time with us. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Joe. Thanks, man. All right, welcome back. This is episode 35 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast. Uh, that was our interview with Joe Rivera. Very insightful guy, even though he hates the Sandlot, but we won't hate, hold that against him. I hate him. the Sandlot, so. <laughs> but you hate everything, so. Including you. So why do you come here every week and do the show if you hate me so much? Because it's an obligation. Is it? Yeah. Speaking of obligations, we got yelled at last night. For what? For not mentioning our wives on the show. Oh, yeah. So this is us mentioning our wives on the show. This is it. This is it right here. They won't. They probably won't listen this no, week. Definitely not. And how much tuna is too much tuna? Not enough tuna. 
All right. Uh, on to more important things. Um, the lineup. How many times are we going to talk about this? But it actually happened. <laughs> Judge batting leadoff. Uh, it was Friday, correct? Right. Aaron Boone penciled in a lineup that had Aaron Judge leading off. Now you're saying spring training, what's the big deal? But all the regulars were in the lineup. So it was, when I see that, I see it as a test run for future things. And guess what? Brett Gardner was also in that lineup batting ninth. So it wasn't one of these things where the Yankees are trying to load up on righties with a lefty on the mound. Even though there was a lefty on the mound. But it still defeats my point here. That it wasn't that to get Gardner out of the lineup, Gardy was still in the lineup. I'm so, going to ask you a series of questions. Yes. Okay. From everyone we talked to, that is pro judge batting leadoff at which some point. Which the last two people we spoke to, were Corelli and Joe, didn't seem to be against it. And, right. Yeah. What has been their biggest reasoning? Just he, one stat. What is on been? base percentage. Okay. Why did Judge have such a high on base percentage last year? Because he walks a lot? Right. Why did he walk a lot? Because he was the most dangerous person in that lineup last year, correct? Uh, Yeah, that would be a factual okay. statement. Is he the most dangerous person in this lineup this year? I can't honestly say that. Is he going right? to walk as many times as he did last year? Maybe. No. No. He's just not. But it, All right, go ahead. He's going to get better pitches to see. You don't know that, though. You, you can't. Say that until you see the season break out. Because how do you know what teams are going to feel is more something to be more fearful of? You got to remember they still have Gary Sanchez and John Carl Stan. So how do you? It's going to be a pick your poison type thing. So Judge isn't going to get these, you know, two one curveballs where they're like a pitcher's like, oh maybe I can get him to swing. He's not going to walk as much this year. Yeah, you might have a point there. Uh, So. The on-base percentage just should be thrown out the window right you now. You can't nibble around. The whole thing right. is you can't nibble around this lineup because if you're going to say, I'm not going to let Judge beat me, guess who's standing behind him? Right. A guy to hit more so home- I want a scrappier the, hitter. A guy that hit more home runs than right. him last year. I want a scrappier hitter as my leadoff guy. I want a guy like Brett Gardner who works counts brilliantly, who's going to foul off a bunch of pitches, who is going to get on base no matter what because he's going to work counts. Judge isn't that guy. Judge walked a lot because they picked their poison. They picked Sanchez over Judge. Here's my thing. My every I want I want to I want to like punch the wall when I hear people say this because it's true but I hate hearing people say it. Once you get past the first round of the order, it's it's a circular lineup right. and how many blah 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 blah, right? But why are you going to guarantee 25% of the time that Aaron Judge comes to the plate, there will be nobody on base for him? Right. Why would you do that? You wouldn't. It doesn't make sense. That's my biggest argument. If he's going to be a regular leadoff hitter, why are you going to guarantee that 25% of his at-bats will come with nobody on base? Exactly. Exactly. I agree 100%. That's why it makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, let's Because batting him... Second is still going to get him just as many at bats. Maybe. And did you know that there's actually a stat out there that I heard on? Uh, here we go, Joe and Evan. <laughs> that I forget the sample size, but it was at least one season, maybe maybe a couple. That the position in the lineup that is seen now not plate appearances because obviously one right. has to be, but the that saw the most at bats was the second spot in the there lineup. There you go. 
There you go. It makes no sense. All right, so let's bring in our special guest here, a weekly correspondent here on the NYY Sports Talk podcast. Uh, Brett, how did you feel about batting ninth in the lineup? Uh, well, you know, I didn't really like the idea of, you know, batting ninth, but I, you know, look, listen, whatever this team wants to do, I'm going to do it, all right? Do you still feel like you can play hard batting ninth? Well, maybe I won't play as hard, but, you know, once the season starts rolling, I mean, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this uh, get this team another championship. Do people from Holly Hill, South Carolina, bat ninth in lineups? Uh, yeah, well, somebody's got to bat ninth, but usually, no, Holly Hill. they they In Holly Hill, they actually only bat eight guys. <laughs> they don't have a nine-hitter. It's, uh, it's, it's just not there. They, they don't have it in Holly Hill. All right, Brett, thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you next week on the show. Take care, fellas. <laughs> All right. And did you hear that Brian Cashman actually said that uh, this was Aaron Boone's decision to have Aaron Judge be the leadoff guy? It was all it was all Boone. I actually have a clip. Well, I, I was going to say to you, maybe you can find this. I don't know the exact quote, but apparently Aaron Boone came out and said, I'm going to be penciling in my lineup. It's not going to be the upper management telling me where to pencil my guys. Uh, don't you want him to say that? Of course. And don't you want that to be true? Of course. He's the manager. <laughs> yeah, of course. But we've speculated how many times that Girardi didn't have as much power or, or as much say as we thought. That everything was coming from Cashman. All right. Well, you know what? If you hired him to be the manager, then let him be the manager. I think they respect him enough that when he makes that type of statement that they're going to let him run – his team the way he wants to run it thursday they had an away game and it must have been like a three hour or so bus ride and uh somebody asked him he was like aaron when did you too many aarons too many austins there's too many of the sim too many tylers on there's just a lot of similar names on this team but somebody asked him said uh aaron when did you decide that you were going to bat judge uh lead off and he said uh halfway back in the bus ride from wherever we were yeah. whatever city they were coming from so What's up, Brian? Well, Brian Cashman said, uh, and well, uh, you know, we have uh, we have a lot of faith in Aaron Boone and his ability to construct the best possible lineup for this team. And uh, if that means he wants Aaron Judge to hit lead off against lefties, and that's what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, so we'll see if it works out and take it from there. Just know that if it doesn't work out, that uh, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. And... Uh, <laughs> I should still be considered the backbone and pure genius of this organization. Oh my god, that one needs a lot of work, but I'm getting there. That's good. Uh, you know, he just kind of he talks like he's got like something wrong with his voice. And, you uh, know what he sounds like? You ever watch this the smoking commercials where they have no? Yeah, yeah. I used to love to swim. I like cigarettes. They are good. Now I cannot swim. <laughs> I used to be an umpire. <laughs> He comes from a family with uh, an extensive history with this sport. His father was a manager. His brother was a player. And, you know, we're going to just um, see how it goes. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm the greatest GM ever. And, um... why, do, why do we even do a show anymore? I, I, mean, every... I mean, you know, you shouldn't even really be doing a podcast if um, you don't know what it is you're talking about. And you guys really uh, don't know anything about uh the yankees <laughs> thank you no problem all right uh 
throw it to a sponsor at this I point. Don't, no, I, I had another point, but oh, that that's what it was. Uh, so you're thinking like spring training, whatever, you know, trying something out. But the thing that gets you a little bit is that Boone kind of said that this is not something that it was just like a one-time spring training thing, that this is something that he might actually implement in the regular season. But here's my I, – I mean – you take spring training and you say they're going to experiment, but there's only, you know, a few games left here. What is one game going to determine batting him leadoff at this point? What is that going to really show you? It's, such, it's, it's not if something, this was something that just they pop- were, But if this was something they were serious about, don't you think they would have done this more? Don't you think they we would have seen Judge bat leadoff? More towards the beginning of spring training. How many and, and lefties more... started against the Yankees in spring training? You'd have to see what that's that. I don't is. know. You're the stack guy. I don't think that's my job here. But I don't think, <laughs> but I don't think Boone is too concerned with lefty righty matchup. No, I don't think so either. But I just feel like if this was a true, uh, you know, route this team wanted to go, we would have seen it done more this spring. Not just in one game at the end of spring training. It's, it's not the first time that judges hit leadoff in the spring either. I think he hit leadoff in his first game back. But they also weren't playing their full lineup that right. day. They were playing their full lineup on Friday. So that's the real – it's the real dress rehearsal right there to see if this is something that they want to do going forward. I, I'm i not down with it. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say – Well, didn't they lose? They did. They did. Fine. So there you go. Actually, Experiment over. Get two strikeouts. If you went one Actually, four. they didn't even score a run that game. There you go. Experiment done. <laughs> All right. So, look, if it happens in the regular season and Judge goes four for four with four home runs and the Yankees win the game 17 to three, great. But I guess if they were to do it, that this would be the lineup they would use with Gardner hitting ninth because I know you just said that, you know, once a lineup goes through a few times, it it's not the same lineup and you disagree with that. But at least Gardner would be the nine guy. So once that first time is through the lineup, it would be as if Gardner It's not that he disagrees with that statement because it's true. What he was no, saying is. is 25% of judges at bats throughout the entire season is right. going to be as a true leadoff hitter, which means 25% of the time he's going to get up to the plate with no one on base. Yeah, so... I understand. I try. Without even a chance of someone getting the lineup is circular. Once you get past the nine guy, then it just becomes like a circle, right? right. So if you bat Judge uh, Gardner ninth, it's just the same thing as having him beat a leadoff guy with Judge batting the second. But I hate people using that as a justification right. for batting Judge leadoff because you're missing the point that if he bats leadoff. Say even seventy five games this year, he's getting seventy five at bats where you're guaranteeing him that he has nobody on base to drive right. in. And don't give me that line that oh well he's going to hit a home run. Okay, he can hit it. I'd rather him be up there trying to drive in two runs than right. leading off the game with a solo home I run. I agree. His job is not to work walks and get on for John Carl Stan. His job is to be the run producer, especially because our leadoff guy in Brett Gardner isn't someone who doesn't hit home runs. He can also start the game one nothing. Yeah, Guardy popped what twenty some home twenty home runs last yeah. year. Okay, so we not... think we see a back to back to back home runs home runs this year with Gardner, Judge, Stanton. Do it can, can oh, certainly yeah. happen. The Yankees did it last year with guys that weren't even Didi Holiday and somebody else in Toronto did it right. Yeah. Who was the third guy? I don't remember. Who cares? Carter. He <laughs> was way gone by then. <laughs> Speaking of guys that are way gone, uh, Bartolo Colon was released yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
You want to pick them up? Maybe the Yanks will snag them. (laughs) Really, if you see Bartolo Colon ahead of guys like Sessa and Domingo Herman or even Chance Adams, I mean, what's going on with those guys? Right. All right, so uh, let's throw it to a sponsor here, take a quick break, and we'll wrap up the show with uh, everybody's favorite Yankee, Jacoby Ellsbury. What's up, everyone? I'm Brandon from BrandonRendiniFitness.com, and I am an online fitness coach. My goal is to help you reach your fitness goals, so by purchasing one of my plans, you will receive a personalized meal plan and a workout plan to help you reach your goals. You will have 24-7 access to me for questions, and we would have scheduled weekly check-ins to make sure you're staying on track. What sets me apart is I want to help you find balance. I don't expect you to eat grilled chicken breast all day long. I understand that life happens and you're going to want to eat that piece of cake or that slice of pizza, which is why my plans are perfect for that. To make things more interesting, I am offering a special promo code for NYY Sports Talk listeners. If you purchase any of my plans, you can use the code NYYST and get 10% off. Again, that's promo code NYYST in all capital letters. So head to BrandonRendiniFitness.com today and find the plan that works best for you. All right, episode 35, we're here to draw to its conclusion. But before we get into that, we got a little bit of uh, breaking news here. Well, not really, but a quote from Aaron Boone uh, on Greg Bird uh, came out a few minutes ago. Uh, This is the manager on his first baseman. We are at least a little bit optimistic based on the pictures, meaning the CT and the MRI that he got. But tomorrow should tell us a lot. As far as what it is time-wise, all of those types of things, hopefully we'll get good answers tomorrow. Okay. So. it That, I uh, got the, we want to give credit to where it's due. Brian Hoke actually uh, tweeted that quote, so we'll give uh, credit to Hoke for getting the scoop there. But. Um, I don't know. It doesn't sound too optimistic to me. Why? Do you want me to read it again? No, I, because. He said they are at least a little bit optimistic, so it's not. It doesn't sound like doom and gloom, though. Maybe he might miss a week or two. Oh, that's a little. That would be something that would be a little bit optimistic. Sure. Full optimism would like be that said, he wasn't missing any time. But like you said, it's Greg Bird, so any time missed at this point is going to be amplified. All right, but what do you want to do? You want to take a silver <laughs> lining in the cloud now? I mean, the I Yankees just, are still pinning their hopes on this guy. Yeah, well, you have to. <laughs> I mean. He's that good. If he was mediocre, you know, we'd be having a different discussion. But you want this guy to be your future. You don't want to have to go and get someone else. All right. So other roster news here um, before we get into Jacoby Ellsbury. Looks like the Yankees are taking 13 pitchers to start the season. Uh, so that means that the extra man in the bullpen looks like it's going to be Jonathan Holder. As Domingo Herman really? and Luis Cesar were both optioned down to AAA in the last couple of days. Mm. Well, we gotta. We have to mention that we forgot about Tommy Canley last week. I did. I tweeted. I know that. you tweeted it, but I mean, how how insane is it that this bullpen is this deep that you forget about a guy like Tommy Canley? In any other team, Tommy Canley is like the second or third name out of your mouth when guys, you talk about a team's bullpen. We have one guy in this bullpen that can justify being like a mop up role, which now is Jonathan Holder. Right. That's crazy. Remember the days where Girardi could go to six different guys and you were just like, ugh, why is this guy coming in? We don't have that anymore. Our buddy uh, Dan Federico has been tweeting uh, Yankee opening day rosters like at, like as he gets closer. Like mm-hmm. Opening day is six days away, so this was the opening day roster six days ago. And you see names like uh, 
Clay Rapata and Cody <laughs> Epley and guys like that that were in the bullpen. And to think about this bullpen now. It's crazy, man. And those were good. And those were solid teams, teams that won 85, 90 games. Another thing we should talk about, uh, one of our writers put together a really nice piece on Dellen Batansis. And I didn't know this until reading the article, but um, I think Boone came out and said it that we really aren't going to have a setup man this year. He's going to go with who he feels in the moment is going to be the most effective. And Batansis actually jumped on and said, I'm excited about that. He said he wants to go back to more of a multi-inning role like when he first came up into the bigs. He doesn't necessarily need to be that eighth inning guy. So I think you're really just going to have a closer this year. And Boone's going to go with you know the but hot then, hand. But you got four guys that can be setup guys. Right. So that's his Why point. lock anybody right, in? Exactly. Uh, you know, it makes sense. If you need an out in the sixth inning, you know Robertson dominates, let's just say, J.D. Martinez. Exactly. Why not go to Robertson there? Why, that, you know, because then Boone you can have Canely or Batanzas exactly. or, or even Chad Green. You have so many weapons that in in the course of the game, you're going to go with who has the best numbers against who's coming up. So, yeah, one, one, one game, Robertson might be the setup man. The next game, he might be the guy coming in in the fifth or sixth inning. So we wanted to know why Jonathan Holder made the ball club. So we figured that the numbers would dictate it. So, Rye? In seven games this spring, he pitched 10 innings, 11 strikeouts with a 1.80 ERA. Nice. All right, so, I mean. Really good. And I think a guy like Herman, the Yankees are looking him to be the sixth starter, really. The first guy up. Yeah. So I don't know how valuable it would be to have him just sit around for 10 days or so. And and let me say something. When I said Jonathan Holder is like our mop-up guy, I meant that in a sense of everyone else is an elite reliever. Jonathan Holder has still been pretty good for this ball club in the games that he has come up. Yeah, he's had his rough patches, but he's still a decent reliever. I mean, he's still a good guy to have as your 6th or 7th or 8th, whatever it is, relief pitcher out there. This so, bullpen isn't. I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. Bullpen and offense should not. I mean, if the Yankees don't win the World Series this year, it would not. You you can't imagine a scenario where it's either the bullpen or the offense. Right. All right. Last thing we're going to touch on today, and I I'm tired of saying it. I'm not going to say the. I'm not going to say the f word and cause you to have to bleep it. Thanks. <laughs> It's been confirmed. Jacoby Ellsbury starting the season on the disabled list. And everyone wants him DFA'd. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot. Should I say it again? Sure. You cannot DFA Jacoby Ellsbury, nor are the Yankees going to designate Jacoby Ellsbury for assignment. And I'm tired of hearing that they got rid of A-Rod. Do I need to break this down? Okay. Alex Rodriguez had a year in what? When did he when did he quote retire? At the end of July, early August? Yes. So he had a year and say two months left on his contract. Jacoby Ellsbury has three full seasons left on his contract. Right. And Jacoby Ellsbury sitting on the bench and coming off the bench is more valuable than getting rid of him at this point. The Yankees still see a need for Jacoby Ellsbury on this team. Okay, the Yankees saw no need for Alex Rodriguez on this team when they forced him to retire. Because you know what the problem is? Everyone just focuses on the contract. And I know it's an abysmal contract. I know it's awful. 
but you're not just going to release a guy who has three years left that you owe money to who can still bring value to this team in some way. He's a great pinch runner. Yeah, I know that sucks to say that a guy making as much as he is is a great pinch runner, but he is. He's a good guy to fill in when you need another outfielder. We I was talked about say, his tear last year. I was just going to say this. If in a pinch you need somebody to come in and play a week to 10 days in the outfield, Jacoby Ellsbury is not a bad guy to have right. do that. There's teams that don't even have starting outfielders as good as Jacoby Ellsbury. I agree. Well, didn't Katie Sharp even said in an interview with us a few weeks ago that he had numbers that were like league average for center fielders? Yeah. Right. So, you know. To have that on your bench. Well, it's not tout league average, but still, league average is league average. Which means that there's guys that are worse than him in this league. And then don't come and tweet us and say, well, why don't they trade him? Because they're not going to, nobody wants the contract. And the Yankees are not going to say, oh, well, uh, he makes $22 million this year. We'll. We'll uh we'll take twenty one and a half million dollars today. Right, Why are they the gonna point? have him go produce exactly. for somebody else? Exactly. It's just not just... It doesn't make sense. Everyone needs to separate Jacoby Ellsbury the player from Jacoby Ellsbury's contract right now. Because we all know he's never gonna live up to it. The time has passed. So separate yourself from it and think about it in a way of him as a bench player now. You're not just gonna release him when he can still bring value to this team. So the Yankees are gonna DFA him, right? And then somebody knowing they'll only have to pay him league minimum, he'd be snatched up in a heartbeat. Of course. Whereas Alex Rodriguez, the Yankees also knew that he wasn't going to go anywhere. Right. There was a little bit of flirtation with Miami. But in the end of the day, that there was no – you just knew he wasn't going to play again. So th- that's another factor and if he did, as they... to why that the Yankees scenario with Ellsbury is not the same thing as the scenario right. with Alex Rodriguez. Exactly. I'm just tired of hearing it. It's the most common thing we get asked. like, Or people say to us, why don't they just release him? Or why don't they trade him? He's not tradable and they're not going to release him. There are so many factors of why neither one of them makes sense. If you just took the time to pay attention to it and separate that from the fact that you hate Jacoby Ellsbury, you'll understand it. I agree. All right. I'll take a deep breath after that one. Good episode this week. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let me just let me wrap this up by saying this. Is Jacoby Ellsbury injury prone? Yes. Is he a superstar major league baseball player? Absolutely not. Does he make way too much money? Absolutely. Is he a valuable player to the New York Yankees for the role they want him in? Yes. And if you can separate those factors, wouldn't he make doesn't he belong on this team, I guess you yes. could say. Okay. He does. And are the would the Yankees Here's what the Yankees don't want to happen. Them saying, okay, we're done. We're done with Jacoby Ellsbury. We're tired of the fans hating him. And Brian Cashman just like, look, I got to listen to the fans here. They're obviously smarter than I am. And we're just going to designate Jacoby Ellsbury for assignment. The Yankees are going to have to pay every last, well, not every last dime, about every last dime except for about a million and a half dollars because the other team would have to pick up league minimum salary for the next three years. Right. So the Yankees would have to pay every, every bit of that except for if a million and a half. Him. And then Jacoby Ellsbury goes on and rips up. Right. And then just goes on a tear in, in his next city. And the Yankees, you think the Yankees want that to happen? Absolutely not. And you know what? If you're going to have to pay the guy no matter what, you might as well use him in the role that they 
expect to use him in because he's going again he's going to bring value to this team in some way he's got a noodle arm but but tracking down balls making catches you'd still say he's above average out there yes still brings a speed element to this team that they he's a hard-working player who is here to win and better this team in any way he can and even if he hits 265 10 home runs and drives in 40 runs as a bench player i mean how many bench players are going to do that and he has the capability of going on that tear you just spoke of because he did it last year People I overlook hate, it. People I overlook hate it. all of you. I hate all of you so much right now. You people that are making <laughs> me defend Jacoby Ellsbury. I know. But I feel I like know. they have to do it. Yeah, you do. You do. You can't. You'll never defend his contract. You'll no, never you defend what this undef- guy got. It's indefensible. You you'll can't never do it. defend him in a sense of, hey, you know, give the guy a break. He did really great for us. No, he didn't, and he never lived up to his contract. But you have to take things for what they are. You can't just release this guy. You owe him too much, and you're not going to do that to Jacoby Ellsbury right now because he can still bring value. End of story. Look, at the end of the day, there was a there was a report about him in Boston that he was soft, that he didn't come back hard enough from injuries, right? But did you ever get the sense that he was – yeah, he's injury prone here. He's missed a lot of time. But did you ever get the sense that he was soft here? No. Jesus Christ, you ran into a friggin' wall last year. No, I actually have, have gotten a completely – the complete If you or I sense. ran into the wall the way he ran into the wall, we're dead, okay? Dead. 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 Immediately. <laughs> dead Dead on the scene. All right. So, please – I. I actually love all of our listeners. I love all of our fans, but I hate you so much. Please do not Stop make me defend, defend Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> all right. Please uh, go to nyysportstalk.com. Uh, lots of good articles coming up. Uh, the Dellen Patances article, which is definitely a must read. Uh, it's interesting, though, that Batan and I'll say this last thing and go back to Batances real quick. Every time I see him pitch in spring training, he doesn't seem he's making it out of the inning. Like, Boone's going to get him before the inning's yeah, over. Yeah, I know. But, again, we don't look too too closely at guys who know they have a role on this team right now. Um, it's just, again, we go. I always go back to that. It's uh, the not a good look thing when his his issues of last year and then he's not making out of spring training issues it's not it's not a good look but you know what he's trying a lot of things and he's working very closely with Rothschild right now uh trying to trying to fix his you know work out his kinks and all that good stuff I'll say this right now do not make me go out on a rant about Dylan Batances next week about how the Yankees should trade him or cut him because everybody in this room would admit he did not have a great year last year to his standards. To his standards, no. But there are, I guarantee you, there are 29 teams in Major League Baseball that would be at the Yankees' door with a with a basket of gifts if the Yankees put him on the trade block, right? That's part of, yes, that's part of the article is that half of his stats were absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, outstanding. And then you take another half of his stats and they were the, some of the worst in the league. But I mean, there's not. A, it's not like this guy gave up 100 runs last year. He was still unhittable. He just couldn't right. throw strikes. Me, can you give me his whip real quick before we close up the show? I want to know what his whip last year was. And then compare that to his actual hits allowed and then his walks. Because his whip is probably inflated because of how many guys he walked. But Absolutely. I guarantee you he did not allow a lot of hits last year. The problem with the problem with Batances and making him available to other teams is 
you have 29 other teams, 29 other pitching coaches who are going to look at him and say, yeah, I can fix him. And we just said that the Yankees didn't want Jacoby Ellsbury showing up on somebody else's doorstep becoming a great player. Dalton Patances, you know, is a great player. And what if he finally puts everything together and becomes the dominant, dominant player you know he can be? Right. He had a 1.223 whip last which is, year. Which isn't terrible. No, but... The year prior was a 1.123. Yeah. It's right. inflated. What's it, How many walks did he allow last year? Walks per nine was 6.6. Which is incredibly oh high. Altogether Incre- was 44 walks. Oh. And how many innings? 59 and That's, two-thirds. Okay. Oh. And how many hits did he actually allow? In those 59 and two-thirds innings, he allowed... Um, oh, man. Uh, there it is. 29. So he's not even allowing – he's wow. allowing half an inning. He's averaging half a hit an inning, right. which is incredible. And his and his whip is 1.22, which goes to show you how many it's guys he walks. Walk 44 walks and 59 – How many are in runs? 19, I think. What was his ERA? Two-something? Two. Um, I think it was low twos. It was 2.87. All right, so you take out his walks. He's probably he's in a conversation of top ten relievers in baseball. How many runs did he walk in? And I then did. and then you have to pull the guy because he can't throw strikes. And then you know the next we've relievers. Gone over, up. We've gone over this a hundred times. How many times did Yankee Girardi stick him in there? He had a two three run lead. The Yankees blow the lead <laughs> because Dellen Batances. And I'm not even kidding you. He walked six guys, but yeah. he didn't allow a hit. Yep. He had 100 strikeouts last year. 100 strikeouts in 50 <laughs> innings! Come on! And only he 29 hit 11 hits. guys. Hit 11 guys. Which goes to... That's his control issues right there. Right. But still, so you... 44 walks and... 11, so he basically gave up a free runner every inning so that he you, pitched. So, so it just goes right back to what I was saying about the article. Is that half of his stats were absolutely unbelievable. And the other half, you just don't get it. So if he throws the ball over the plate, you can't hit him. His walks per nine last year nearly doubled from the year prior. 2016, he had a 3.59 walks per nine. A 3.5 walks per nine. Last year, a 6.6. Unbelievable. So you, so basically, all that tells me is that if Dallin Patances throws the ball over the plate or has his control, <laughs> he's gonna, he's, he's unhittable. Gonna be unhittable. He's unhittable. Yep. Okay, that's it. So go to nyysportstalk.com. Please go read the Dallin Patances article. Uh, we're going to have, have, be having daily game recaps now the season's about to start on Thursday. Oh, my, I cannot wait. Excited, man. Um, it's 325 unbel- start, I think. Is it 320? I couldn't Something remember. Like that. It, 335. Just be home by 245. Make sure you're in front of your television by 245. Tell your boss you're sick. You're not feeling well. Don't come back from lunch. Go yeah, go to go. work. Just take risk, your lunch. Risk being fired. Just go home. It's opening day. It's opening I can't. Day, I can't believe it. It's here. It's finally here. It's great. Oh man! Now we actually get to talk about real stuff. Real stuff. <laughs> Not to make up stories anymore. Hey, we did well through the off season here. We had a lot of fun in the off season. Um, a lot of we were talking about this yesterday. A lot of big stories carried us though. Yeah. Girardi let go. New manager. The John Carl Stanton deal. I mean, these were all big major sure. stories. For a very slow off season, we had some big major stories. So hopefully next year we're just riding the off season, just riding a cloud nine of the twenty eighth world championship for this ball club. Absolutely. Um, so yes, please swag up new merchandise dropping daily. We're gonna have a couple new sh- or at least one right. Yeah. Before opening day, we'll have a new yep. release for opening day. Uh, plus our new our bombers t shirt, Gary Rake's t shirt, all all good stuff out there. Also. 
If uh, you're a listener, NYYST20, special code, gets you 20% off. Say that stupid thing that you always say. Swag up. Swag up. Swag up, baby. Uh, follow Chris on Twitter, at ChrisJr underscore NYYST. Follow StatGuyRye on Twitter, at StatGuyRye underscore NYYST. Follow me on Twitter, at Christian underscore NYYST. Follow NYY Sports Talk. There's way too many Twitter handles. And NYY Sports Talk. At NYYST Podcast. I'll eventually learn that one, but I probably know. not. Probably not. Ryan's on Twitter right now. He's verifying that the porn star still follows him. She still is. All right. Yes. Yes, buddy. Oh, yeah. Um, opening day, Thursday. Let's do it, baby. All right. So uh, thank you for listening to episode 35 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast. And uh, next time we talk to you, there will be actual baseball games played. The Yankees will have a, a record. Hopefully it won't be 0-3, but even if it is, I don't think it'll put a dampen on the season. Yeah. All started right. last year 1-4, right? They did. Then, what was it, 25-5 or 20-5? Yeah, and they exploded, man. So, just the key, if they lose Thursday, just don't, just don't, just don't. Don't just, jump off the bridge. I don't think the three of us can watch games together no, on we television. We cannot. Because it's They bad. always lose. Yeah. At the stadium is a different story. Yes, yeah, different. Television, no. So we'll be watching opening day from our respective homes. <laughs> yes. All right, so thank you again. Episode 35 is in the books. Chris, say goodbye. Peace!